idea what that question is? Anybody? I've told you before. How can I know the will of God? That probably more than any other question over the years has been asked me until the last nine months. And last nine months, I've had a different question asked me, I mean frequently. And so I wrote my column about it for you this coming Sunday to answer it. Can you imagine what it is? What? No, not are we in the end times. I think we've established that. <laughs> uh -oh. You have any idea? Okay, then read my column Sunday, and um, you, you'll know. Hey, let me get this uh, hooked up here real quick. Um, now, I'm going to tell you what it is since you're here, the, the Wednesday night crowd. You're the cream of the crop, so. Um, the question I've been asked in the last nine months more than any other question is, is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? Every week I'm asked that question. Every week. Now, <clears throat> you want my answer or you want to just wait and read? Answer? My short answer is no. It doesn't fit the biblical description uh, at all. So the answer is no, it is not. Um, and um, so now... The mandates intersect with Scripture, but not right now. The mandates are, to me, more frightening than anything. Uh, I, I'm, it doesn't bother me for those who've taken it and those who haven't. I'm, I'm good. People are adults, and let them decide. But what I mean by the mandates is that the Bible teaches that there's a day coming when the mark of the beast will be mandated, and without that, you can't do some things that we're being groomed, in my view, to do. You can't go to this, you can't go to this, you can't buy groceries. There's places already they're saying out on the West Coast that if you, haven't, if you don't have a passport, you can't even buy groceries. And, um, and the, the great irony in our culture is this. You can't do this or you can't do this, but have you noticed... You can go fill a football stadium up with people. Uh, I, I thought one of the funny things, I watched a game uh, last week, week before last, a player got hurt. I mean, now these guys, look, I played ball. I, you, these guys are out there, and they're, they're sweating all over each other and slobbering all over each other and everything else. And this guy got hurt. Uh, he comes off the sideline, and it's time to take him in. They're going to take him in and, Checking out. And so as he's walking down to go to the tunnel, he reaches over and they hand him a mask and he puts a mask on. And there are, there are 75,000 people and probably 30,000 right there where he's going in that have no mask. Yeah, there's just some crazy stuff going on. The Bible says in the, 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 that last day when uh, this, this Antichrist shall rise, that he will restrict, unless you have his mark, you will he will restrict your ability to buy and, uh, and uh, to move about. And so uh, that's why mandates, I believe, are beginning to try to groom us to, to just accept the next thing. So at any rate, that's a, my column in a nutshell. But 
my column isn't about should you take it or should you not take it. That's actually, to me, that's beside the point. I'm okay if you do and I'm okay if you don't. Uh, but the mandate thing scares me because I think it is grooming our culture, really our globe. It is, it is getting us to the point where, where someday this Antichrist will rule and he'll say, unless you get this, and we will already be used to that kind of uh, mandate or, or pressure. Does that make sense? So at any rate, you get, because you're here on Wednesday night, you get a little uh, uh, quickie on that. But that's the question I'm being asked every week. Is this the mark of the beast? Is this the mark of the beast? Uh, I had one man say, Pastor, it's tearing our family apart. Uh, our family's divided over this. And these things should not be, uh, and the devil's laughing about the division, the rift that's being created uh, there. And uh, to me, that's a kind of sad thing. But at any rate, that's the question. I'm just sitting there thinking, what, um, what question is, uh, am I being asked? That's it, right there. And I bet some of you have thought the same thing, haven't you? Is this the mark? Is it not the mark? And I, it isn't. It, it doesn't fit Scripture uh, at all. So, um, so don't worry. If you've been vaccinated, you have not been given the mark of the beast. Okay? <laughs> all right? All right? Everybody good? Um, now, where are we? What are we studying? What book are we in? Esther. Okay, then go to Genesis chapter 50. Um, we've been talking. Do you all know the subject matter we've been talking on? It's on the screen. The providence of God and how it affects our life. Somebody, can somebody give me, let me see if you've, if you've, if I've been clear enough. Somebody give me, this is dangerous. What do we mean by providence, the providence of God? Anybody? Okay. That's good, Connie. God's in control, and he, he directs uh, everything, really. He's in, nothing takes God by surprise, right? Uh, he is in control. And the reason we we're studying, we took this little side study into the providence of God is because I told you one of the major themes of the book of Esther is the control of God amidst all the crazy circumstances. Now, by the way, that's appropriate for us right now, isn't it? In the age we're living in and, and people say, well, is God, would, you know, where is God? And God is where he's always been. He's on his throne. And nothing, nothing that's happening or has happened uh, has taken God by surprise. Okay? So that's providence. Now, I told you, we talk about the, uh, um, the sovereign uh, will of God. Remember, we talked about the sovereign will of God, and this is worth reiterating. But there's another kind of will that God allows. What, what did we call that? The permissive will of God. And that's where God says, I have this sovereign plan, and my plan will be fulfilled. Not might be, but it will be fulfilled in somewhere in the future, at least in terms of this, uh, this world, and then eternity, of course. Um, I, but I, I'm talking about in particular in his creation of this world and its operation and the uh, culmination of this world. So we call that his sovereign plan. It's going to happen. Okay? 
But what is his permissive will? That's his sovereign will. It's going to happen. His permissive will is, somebody tell me what that is. Okay, he'll, he gives you the freedom to make choices. Now, remember last time we talked about how those choices can, can interrupt the plans. He knows the plans that he has for you. Uh, he created you with a plan before you were born, but he has allowed in his permissive will for you, he's allowed you to interrupt his plans. Now, see, we know every, God wants everybody to be saved. Did you know that? Not everybody will be saved, but does he want everybody to be saved? Absolutely. He says so in Peter that um, God is not slow concerning his promise, but is patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, for God so loved the most of the world. All. For God so loved all. He, he, for, he, so we know that his, his, um, his great uh, will for his creation is to know him. But he says, but I'm going to let you, Robert, I'm going to let you make a choice. Do you want to know me? And do you want to be involved in this big plan that I have? Yes, student. Well, I mean, that's, the called, that's called grace. And that is that God interrupts in a dramatic way. We're going this way and God intercepts us. And, and, and in that case, it was so obvious to Paul. Now, the question comes is, could Paul chosen nonetheless to resist that? And the answer, I believe, is yes, because God, because God says to him, you always resist. Why, and why have you been, been resisting me? Asking that question, why have you been resisting me? So God was already at work there. So the answer is, can we? Yes. We can interrupt the great plan that God has for our life. We can't prevent his sovereign will from happening, but we can, we can interrupt our part in it. It may cost you your life. It will cost you eventually. Yeah. They did, look, God didn't get, look, they didn't respond to the God's attempts to convince them of who he was. See? But now, remember, why is that? And then I, I need to move on, but why is that? It is because... The prince and power of this world was active too. Remember when Moses uh, would use his staff and there, a miracle would happen. Remember? What would Pharaoh do? His magicians would mimic it. Now God, you know, if it were snakes or whatever, God always uh, was victorious over even the counterfeit miracles of the enemy. But see... So you have, you have the devil fully entrenched there, and he's trying to uh, counter the idea of God. 
So Pharaoh had a choice, and, and he made his choice, and uh, it caused his heart to become hard. All right? Well, uh, this is a study that will take you down 15 roads, isn't it? Now, I want to show you something. Since we're talking about we've been looking at these passages on the providence of God, I want to show you one, and when we read it, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I know that story. Look, uh, well, let's just go ahead and talk about the story. The story is the story of Joseph. Somebody tell me something you remember about Joseph. One thing that you remember about Joseph. Brothers threw him in a pit. And they had a great relationship, obviously. Threw him in a pit. What else do you remember? What's that? He lived 110 years. Yep. Hang on to that. Somebody else said something in the back. What's that, Mike? John? Integrity. He, he walked in integrity. And it was tested, wasn't it? Anything else, anybody you know about Joseph? He knew that the Lord was with him. It says several times in the story, and, and the Lord was with him, and the Lord was with him, and the Lord was with him. Um, and so he, he rises up. Because the Lord is with him, God also enables him uh, to tell Pharaoh, here's what's going on, because he could, he could interpret dreams, right? That was a gift from God, by the way. Just like when Daniel did the very same thing. And because of that, Pharaoh, all of his dream interpreters, they crashed and burned. But Joseph ascends, and he ascends up to the second highest position in the land, second only to Pharaoh. So he's really kind of becomes the, the, the COO uh, of Egypt, the chief operating officer. And he prepares Egypt for a famine, which, by the way, ends up saving the Israelites as well. Uh, by his, that's another part of the story. Okay, so... Um, so at any rate, uh, the day comes and when, when Israel is in famine, but they don't have the resources of Egypt, and so his brothers, not knowing who Joseph was now, they make a, a trip and say, we need, we need food, we need grain. And I have to tell you, it's interesting, because Joseph messes with them for a couple of chapters. Uh, he doesn't tell them, you know, who he is, and he doesn't say... Uh, yeah, you owe me big time and uh, none of that. He messes with them for a couple of chapters. But here's where we pick up. And I want to show you these verses. Look at chapter 50, uh, verse 15. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers uh, and their sin because they did evil to you. Now, see, they know by this stage and they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, uh, uh, of the God of your fathers. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. In other words, their dad, before he died, he gave them. He said, you take this and if they won't receive it from you, maybe they'll receive it from me. And so they tell him that. When, when they tell Joseph that, he, 
he began to, to weep, it says. Verse 18, his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. Now, once again, Joseph, he's, he's really just an incredible guy, isn't he? Could you have done that, you think? I think only if you understood what Joseph understood. And remember, providence of God is often only revealed in hindsight, not foresight. So what does Joseph do? He can look back and he can say, it's all right. I'm in the place of God. You, what you did to me, you did it out of evil. But God can cause all things to work together for good. Right? But, but I suspect when he was in the pit, he didn't say, this is an incredible journey I'm on. Right? When he became a slave, I bet he didn't go, I've always wanted to be a slave. This is so good, God. When... When he, and every time, by the way, every time he would kind of rise up, something had happened to knock him back down. Do uh, you know they tell me, I don't know if this is true or not, I, I, I say they tell me, actually I read this, that, that if you put uh, crabs in a bucket together, that if one of the crabs tries to crawl out, the others will reach up and pull him, yank him back down. And, um, you know, sometimes that's the way it feels like in life, doesn't it? Just when you're starting to get your head up uh, over, you know, the bucket, something knocks you back down to the bottom. Well, that's a story of Joseph early on, right? So he rises, he goes, he, he becomes a servant, you know, um, and, and then uh, Potiphar's wife decides she wants him physically, and he, he runs away, and... and uh, then she turns around and she claims that he was after her and this or so where, where does he go and he was great I mean Potiphar let him have full control of his his estate he was the house manager and uh, so when this report comes he gets thrown into prison so he goes to the pit then he goes to uh, you know this uh, Potiphar's house and then he goes to the prison and while he's in the prison, you remember, he starts rising up. And by the way, every time he starts rising up, it says, and the Lord was with him. So the Lord gave him favor, and he starts rising up, you know. So in the, even in the prison, he, he became a, uh, the ideal prisoner. And so he's rising up there, and you know the story of the prison, don't you? That uh, there were two other uh, guys who had served Pharaoh, and uh, a baker, and a, a, t a taste tester. And um, you remember their story. So um, they, they are, Pharaoh calls them back to work. But then one of them 
and, and oh yeah, and Joseph says, hey, tell him I can interpret dreams if he, if he has one. They forgot him. So there he is. He's just stuck in prison until one day, one of the one that survived, one of them Pharaoh had executed. And the one that survived says, oh, yeah, by the way, there was a guy in prison with me a couple of years back, and he could interpret dreams. So they brought him. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and then he ended up in the position. He said, I am in the place of God. That's all about providence, people. That's all about control. But I suspect along the way, Joseph didn't go, the prison, this is okay. I'm, it's, it's all working. How could he say it was in the place of God now? Because he could look back and he could see, oh, that was, yeah. and by the way, don't ever mistake that if you are in the will of God, that you are exempt from difficulties. Joseph's story counteracts that. We're told that sometimes today by, uh, unfortunately, sometimes by preachers that kind of say, if you're in the will of God, it's all going to go well for you. But that's just not biblical. And Joseph is a, an, an example of that. But what is biblical is that even in those processes, God was with him. He didn't go through any of those alone. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so God is there and God favored him. Even in the most difficult places, the favor of God still fell upon him. But he had some difficult places. But all of that was, was God's school to get him where God wanted him to go. And you, know, you and I don't know the, what was going on in the gaps from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, but here's what I think you can be certain of. God was growing him, right? God was working on him. There were things that, between God and Joseph that God was teaching him until the next thing. So I, I say that to encourage you, if God is in control and you will continue to trust God, the, the incredible thing about Joseph is with all of that, there's no indication that he wavered in his faithfulness to God. Oh, well, now I'm in prison. I, look, we don't know what he might have said, but I, I suspect some of us, and I'm putting us, I'm putting me in the us, might have sat there in the prison and said, God, here I am. I'm trying to do the right thing. And here I am in prison. Right? Uh, how, how is it that you reward your people this way? Or the Apostle Paul. I mentioned in my message this past Sunday um, that Paul and Silas are sitting in a prison cell singing praise and, praises and hymns to God. When it could have been easier to sit there and go, Lord, is this how you treat us? Here we are trying to take the gospel into the world, and, and this is what we get? Now listen, don't raise your hand. Or, or they, Have you ever battled spiritual self-pity? You ever battled spiritual self-pity? Did, did I just go out? I'm, I'm kind of back. Yeah. Uh, did y'all hear that? Have you ever battled spiritual self-pity? Uh, I mean, we, we don't talk about that. But that thing that's inside of us, and by the way, the devil is good at stirring spiritual self-pity. 
So this is how God treats you? You're trying to do, and, and then God allows this person over here who could care less about God, and this is how he deals with them. Spiritual self-pity, and it's, it's a, I am a, hey, look, I know what I'm talking about because I'm a professional at spiritual self-pity. And uh, it would have been easy for that to happen, right? What's the remedy for spiritual self-pity? It is, as David said in the psalm, Psalm 26, I, will, I choose to trust you, God. Sometimes it's not about your feeling. It's just a matter of faith, that you walk by faith, and, it, and you have to say, God, I trust you. I, I trust you. I do not understand this. I don't even like it. By the way, being spiritual doesn't require you to like difficulties. You don't get a merit badge for saying, God, but in the midst of the difficulty, I was happy. Right? You don't get a merit badge for that. Um, and and so, so we walk by faith. That's what Joseph did. He teaches us to walk by faith. And as a result of that, I preached this in messages to you before, then we can look back and we can see what God was doing, the steps that God was orchestrating together, pulling our life together. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked back and you think at the time that was going on, I wasn't thinking, ah, God, you're, this is going to end up really good. You may have just been thinking about, I needed to just survive this emotionally i'm just going to have to survive or get through or or physically i just i just need to get on through but when you look back you go oh god you were doing that in order to do this in order to do this in order to do this and you look back and you can put those connect those up but you can't connect them at the time and there's no indication that Joseph did. By the way, if you're in one of those places right now, I just remind you, if you're a child of God, walk by faith. Walk by faith. And walking by faith means you're faithful. Walk by faith. If you're a child of God and you're in one of those places, if you're not, you will be again. And so you trust Him. Uh, you walk by faith. I, the fact is, when, when you're not in a pit or not in the prison, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't require a lot of faith, does it? Your faith is demonstrated when you're in the pit. Your, your faith is, is manifest when you're in the prison. Um, and so... Uh, uh, Joseph is an illustration of that. He's an illustration of the providence of God. Because what we see is uh, Joseph saying, I'm where God wanted me to be. And this is the way he got there. And that's often true of our life. Does that make sense? All right, let, let, go, go to Proverbs 21 with me. I want to show you another example. Now, this is another example of the providence of God. 
Is God in control? We know the answer to that. The answer is, yes, God is in control. Um, and uh, it says in verse 1, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. That's the providential control of God. Uh, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. God is in control. So the next time you think, well, um, uh, you know, there's some leadership in my life that, that I just don't understand, or there's godless leadership in my life, maybe in a work environment, uh, maybe in a, a family setting, uh, maybe in, uh, in government things. You say, that, that, this influence in my life or this influence, I, I don't get it. Remember this right here. The, the heart of the king, the leader, is, in, is like a stream in the hand of the Lord, and he can direct it wherever he wants it to go. And by the way, uh, if you, when you take that into lead, uh, like governmental leadership, that's why Paul said uh, to pray for those in authorities. Why, why is that? Remember we established when we're talking about this uh, in the past couple of weeks, we established the fact that prayer does influence God. Because the question was, if God's sovereign, God's in control, then why do we pray? Why even pray? Because God has allowed this permissive will and our pursuit of him to make a difference. And so that's why Paul tells us uh, uh, to pray for those in authority. Why? Because of this verse right here. All right, let's go to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21. Uh, this is another dream interpretation. This is um, when Daniel is... Um, interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And look what he says in uh, verse um, 21. Um, well, let's just read what he says. Verse 19 says, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night, that is, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Then note, here it is, the verb. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Uh, so this is another statement of providence. Verse 21, God changes the times and the seasons. That's why I said to you before, this is a, this is a difficult season, isn't it? Are we in a difficult season? Yeah. But it's not a season beyond the control of God. Is it a season that God created? That's a different question, isn't it? Or is it a season that God allowed? It's a season that God allowed. But allowing it means what, class? It, it, there's purpose, but the fact that he allows it also means something else. What is that? 
He's in it. He's in control. Uh, so by allowing it, it still reminds us that he is in a control. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Now, by the way, that verse can work whichever way you want it to. Hello? I mean, it can. Uh, but the key is that it tells us that God's in control. That God is in control. Okay. Uh, how's our time? Oh, I got five minutes. Uh, okay, let's go to James chapter 4. We're making progress tonight. All right, James chapter 4, verses 13 and following. Look, are y'all there? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little, a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And he says, to take any other approach, he goes on to say, is boasting. <coughs> so, is this another statement about the providence of God? Yes. What, he's saying, what James is saying to us is, be careful that you don't become real puffed up and arrogant and say, well, I think I'm going to do this. The, and the, the truth is, James is saying, you might not. You might not. If God decides that's not going to happen and you're not under His authority or your life is not aligned with His will, guess what? You don't know what the outcome is going to be. And God may treat you in grace. I think He does sometimes. Um, when we're not walking in the light, as he is in the light, as Scripture says. We're not walking in his will. He sometimes says, I'm going to be patient with you. But be careful when you start saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is what uh, I, I'm going to do right here. Um, I heard, I read a quote by former New York Governor uh, Cuomo uh, in response to uh, COVID in New York. Did y'all read the statement when he made and he said, this isn't about faith. This isn't about God. He said, the decline in numbers here is just math, but it has nothing to do with God or faith. Now, that's an arrogant statement. That's incredibly arrogant because it doesn't, it, it, there, there's math involved, Right? But who controls math, class? God controls the math, too. <laughs> right? Um, and so, but he, he said, this isn't a God thing that numbers are decreasing. This is not a faith thing. Uh, this is simply math. Math. Now, by the way, God uses all sorts of things to achieve the math that he wants to achieve, right? He uses doctors, and I think he uses medications and all of those things, vaccines, and he can use all of that to reduce the numbers, can he? Right? So he's still in charge. Not Mr. Kumo. Well, he's not in charge anymore anyway. Um, 
All right, so that's what he's saying here. We need to be careful that we align ourselves with the will of God. Okay, y'all hang tight. We got uh, just a couple more quick uh, passages. We'll be done uh, with this, and then I'm going to fill in a couple blanks next week. All right, Job. Go to the book of uh, uh, Job. Comes, which actually comes right after Esther, you know, which we didn't even get to. Job, chapter twelve. Verse 23. By the way, this whole chapter is about God's hand in all of the adversity that Job's facing. But just one verse. There are several here we could pull out. But verse 23, he, that's God, makes nations great and he destroys them. He enlarges nations and he leads them away. He takes away understanding from the chiefs of the people of the earth, and he makes them wander in pathless waste. They grope in darkness without light. Go back up verse uh, 21. I, well, you just keep going if you want to. He, he uncovers the depths of, out of darkness. He brings deep darkness to light. He pours contempt on princes and loosens the belt of the strong. He deprives a speech uh, of speech those who are trusted and takes away the discernment of the elders. I mean, just keep going if you want. All of this reflects, again, the providence of God. Job is acknowledging even what he's going through is under the providence of God. Uh, in fact, Job makes this great statement. When I say it, you'll say, oh, yeah. He says his friends are telling him, Job, there's something wrong with you. This is a problem. By the way, he had a wonderful wife. She was so sweet, loving, and caring. Y'all read the story? At one point in time, she says, Hey, honey, curse God and die. That's what she says to let, Curse God so he'll just kill you and get you out of this misery. What a sweetheart she was. Uh, God took her out, by the way. <laughs> you know, um, and, and, and so Job is talking, but he, this is the line. You, you've heard him. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now that's the faith that God is in control and that what he was going through, he still knew that God was in control. And when I'm tested, I will come forth refined. You know, the scripture says, okay, uh, let's just do this last one and we're gone. Proverbs 19, go back to Proverbs. That's on page 875. All right, look at this. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. All right? That's the sovereign will of God, isn't it? Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of God that will stand. Remember, we started this discussion talking about the fact that God is going to accomplish His big plan. Our goal is to be in on it. And that's what he created you for, is to be useful in the accomplishment of his big plan. As I said at the beginning of this particular study, 
However, if you choose not to live out of the purpose for which God created you, you're not stopping his plan. But what you are doing is damage to yourself. So a loving God said, I got this big plan. It, it, it's, I mean, it's really like God saying, I got this big plan. And I've created you. And I've given you this gift and this ability and this talent and all. I've given these things to you. And I want you, you, you can have this wonderful part in the plan. And it's going to bring you the greatest fulfillment and satisfaction that you could ever know. And that's why I created you. And, I, and because I love you, I want you to get excited about my plans. Have you ever been excited about something and, and told somebody about it, expecting them to get excited about it, and they didn't give you a holy grunt? You, know, you ever had that happen? And you just kind of thought, well, I thought they'd get really excited about that. Every parent has had that experience, right? Uh, now, it's different for grandparents. But every parent has had that experience, you know. Well, think about this. God, that's what God said. He says, look, I, I, I got this plan, and it is, it, it is going to happen. And if you get in on it, and I'm going to let you decide, but if you get in on it, it's going to change your life. And you're going to be fulfilled because you're in the purpose that I created you for. And you're going to be a part of this, this divine, cosmic, eternal plan. Aren't you excited about it? Well should be should be shouldn't we so that's the it's the purposes of God that will stand is what Solomon says here and and always ask God God keep me in your will so that I don't miss out on my role in your big plan now if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your savior uh, you're not in the you're not in the place where you can be a part of the plan yet, but you can change all that tonight. You can put your trust in Jesus Christ. You can give your you know uh, we we just had the joy of seeing um, a lady yesterday put her trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, and if you've never done that, that's the first step in becoming a part of the big purpose of God. And so if you've never done that tonight, you can do that tonight in this place. I'd love to help you uh, with that. You can call on the Lord. You just say in your heart something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, loving me, and dying for my sins. I know I'm a sinner. All of us are. But you love me and you died for me. And I invite you to come into my life right now and be my Savior. He will hear that prayer. How do I know? Because his word says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be uh, you know, I to, I've told you over the years about uh, a young lady I led to Christ many years ago. I've told you the story of Karen. Some of you may remember the, my, the story of Karen. Uh, she's an attorney now. She worked for years for one of our congressmen. She called us two nights ago. And she said, I'm coming to Dothan. And um, there's a Christian concert up here that that she and a friend want to come to. And she said, can we have dinner? And we're coming to, to worship services. So just if you think I made that story up, I didn't. And she's coming. And if, if it won't embarrass her, I might say, Karen, stand up. I want these people to see you. They've heard about you. She loves God, loves the Lord. 
great story, but she had to move from a hostility toward God to a relationship that's a friendship with God. And so if you pray that prayer, would you let us know that so we can help you take the next steps? Maybe there's somebody here tonight, you say, I'm not a member, but I'd like to become a member of Ridgecrest. Anybody? Okay. Listen, as you leave the building tonight, there's a bucket, and I think a lot of you, most of you know what that's for. That's benevolence, and we'll use that for that uh, very uh, purpose, to help people in need. If you've got an extra dollar, too, put it in there, and if you don't, don't worry about it, all right? Um, starting a new series with you Sunday. I'm actually going to get to my new series uh, and uh, look forward. What does, it, what does it mean to follow Jesus? That's the series. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Some stuff that the Lord gave me over my time away, more of that, but uh, looking forward to sharing it with you. Hope to see you here Sunday morning. God bless you. Stay safe, and you're dismissed.